It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Yes, the fireplace has made its return in the background, and in honor of that, I'm placing a max bet on somebody later in the show. Ooh, getting spicy right out the gate. Luke Emmett, Superior Sports Talk. I'm still trying to figure out what Vegas knows that I don't and why the Vikings are home dogs this week versus the Cowboys. Hey, this is Arifa San from Pro Football Network. As you can see, I'm back in the studio. I'm back in Minneapolis. I have committed all of the crimes I have needed to commit in someone else's name somewhere abroad. And I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and I just can't for the life of me figure out whose name that is. <laughs> the crew is back know. together. It's the Minnesota football party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talks Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in. The Minnesota football party is back. An hour of endless Vikings talk with these four local experts. Luke Inman of Superior Sports Talk joins us. He's at Luke underscore Spinman. He just had Viking tackle Blake Brandle on his show. Make sure to go check that out. Arif Hassan is back home. He's from Pro Football Network. He's at Arif Hassan NFL. Luke Braun, Locked on Vikings and the Locked on Vikings postcast, which is exploding right now. With these eight and one Vikings, Luke Braun is on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL, and I'm Sam Ekstrom. On today's show, which Cowboys revenge game angle is most prevalent? We will draft the greatest Vikings games of all time, make our picks for Week 11, and Ron Johnson makes his traditional Thursday appearance. Um, but first, guys, do you have the Amazon Fire and Roku apps? Have you downloaded Lockdown Sports Minnesota? You need to do so to have the best possible experience with the Minnesota Football Party. Check it out. Um, you can also subscribe on YouTube for free or find the podcast, which is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Just look up Lockdown Sports Minnesota. 
So before we move into Dallas talkers, which I think there are numerous um, of them, let's put a bow on Buffalo. The last three days have been really fun because the Vikings, NFL Films, have put out so much content on the game, and you've kind of gotten a chance to relive it in so many different ways for the past 72 hours. Let's just go around the horn. What is the best thing you've seen coming off the Buffalo game, Luke Inman? Well, the PA video, the call in the booth, that's kind of spread like wildfire. McAfee, ESPN, NFL accounts, Jim Rome. But anytime you get a shout-out from the king, LeBron James, what, 52 million followers, something like that, that, take, that like took it to a new stratosphere. So that was cool. Uh, I absolutely love the nine-minute video or so. I, I don't know if it was VEN or NFL Films put together. And near the end, after that Pat P interception, you got Harrison Smith. It's around the nine-minute mark. We all know, really quiet and reserved. Takes a lot to get out of him. And he's visibly just fired up, screaming, get him his jacket. Get him his jacket. Like, the most conviction about anything you'll see from Harrison Smith. And it was at that moment, too, I kind of, like, sat back and I was like, wow, well, Harry's going into the hall someday himself. Pat P., what do we think, probably goes into the hall? Maybe 50-50 chance? Absolutely. We're watching two maybe Hall of Famers right now in the secondary and I, I guess up to that point, I didn't really ever think of it like that. I'm not sure I appreciate it as much as I should. But last one, too, the Jackie account. It's that classic Minnesotan mom. Oh, like she's yeah. straight out of yes. the movie Fargo. Like literally a character yeah. out of Fargo. Uh, absolutely bleeds purple. True diehard. Her reactions are always just priceless. Great for a good laugh. If you haven't seen her reaction to the Bills ending, you got to go check that one out, too. I love that. That was great. And by the way, Harrison Smith was talking about Duke Shelley with the jacket, not oh, Patrick that, Peterson. that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lock. Arif. That, that's almost cruel. <laughs> He's the number one corner on Pro Football Focus, yeah. even Detroit, though he has Detroit? just one cover snap. What did it, what did he what might start. Uh, Jordan Brailford vibes, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Small sample yes. sizes. So okay, so uh, Luke rattled off a ton of pieces of content, which normally I think would drown out. It would make it very difficult for the rest of us to talk about our favorite pieces of content. But there's just been so much this week. I don't think Luke hit on any of the ones that were in my brain. So that which is really fantastic. Although I do need to watch the 10 minute field access video that they just put out. Um, no, I mean there, there were some really nice ones. Like I thought, you know, the one with uh, I think Luke Braun tweeted this out with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Uh, just kind of hanging out in the tunnel. That was that was really just mm. nice to see. But actually, um, Will Reggett's produced a, a pretty good piece of just the 10 craziest moments from the game. I thought that was just a great way to recap the game. Uh, my brain just doesn't work like that, so it's just not a piece of content I can write. I thought it was really fantastic that he did that. Um, but uh, actually, Sam, your tweet right after the game, I thought was one of my favorites. Just, hey, take a look at this catch, and then just look at a different member of the Minnesota Vikings each time. Yeah, that was you look great. At his catch. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of great, highly edited, highly produced content with, you know, you, you get Adam Thielen mic'd up or you get a bunch of different players, you find different viewpoints. There's um, I guess there's, there was like, a, I don't know if it was like a sports illustrator or some other um, production company, maybe Paramount was there uh, and they're producing something from the game. They just happened to be at the game. Um, I'm sure all of that is great. It's all really going to be fantastic to consume, but just this kind of like, Hey, Take a moment to take a look at what all these members of the team are doing and what it tells you about you, uh, about them, right? Eric Kendricks mm-hmm. is just like waiting to figure out what happens. Then he gets geeked up. Harrison Phillips grabs his helmet because he thinks he's going to get out on the field. And then he turns <laughs> yeah. back and he's like, oh, all right, let's go. So uh, I thought that was I thought that was just a really good tweet to, to interact with. So, Sam, I'm going to give the crown to you. Oh, wow. Thank you. 
Luke Braun. There's one that came out just before we started recording on the uh, Vikings official YouTube channel, like a produced, they called it a mini movie, Vikings, Minnesota Vikings defeat Buffalo Bills in game of the year, a little seven minute thing. That's basically just a highlight recap, but they spliced in like quotes from the pressers and they have like oh, the nice. next gen stats win probability over it. Oh, cool. Just kind of oh, telling the good. story Do they have of the any game. Of the Patrick Peterson quotes about the interceptions. Cause the, um, those are great. I those were outstanding. Glad you so. called that. Out. I don't remember. Um, but they have like uh, over the goal line fumble, the QB sneak fumble. It just says like win probability 0.9% and it rules. Mm. That's mm. Awesome. I was going to say the field access, but Luke took all of them. So, Hey, well, wait a minute. One more. You left one out. Adam Thielen on the sideline to JJ after that fourth and 18 catch. Just, oh, what? 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 <laughs> like, Thielen's not even a football player anymore. He, he At that point, he's just like a normal dude off the streets. That's just in Thielen sheer has... awe of what this man just did. What? Thielen has made enough, like, amazing contested catches. First of all, he's had two years where he's been in the top three of contested catch rate, right? He knows how to win contested catches. He's mm-hmm. used to it. And he's done it so often that members of this podcast have compared him to Chris Carter, right? Like Thielen mm-hmm. knows yes. how to catch passes mm-hmm. in insane ways. And for him to just take a look at that and be like, yeah, I don't know, man, that's, that's alien stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a freak. Yeah. Uh, I've got a good nerdy stat of the day about contested catches coming up later in the episode, but mine Ooh, yeah. would just be anything around the fumble recovery in the end zone, like all of the earnest reactions in that moment. So it, it's the the video Luke alluded to, the Jackie video, just the, the classic Minnesotan middle-aged lady watching that happen. That was hilarious. PA in the booth with Pete just yelling over each other. And then from that field access video, the moment on the sideline where you're watching the players watch the play, some of them are going safety. They've got the hands over the head. And then they start to pick up on what's happening, and you've got Jalen Rager and Chris Boyd and Mm -hmm. Duke Scheller. All these guys are running down the sideline and just mobbing the people that are coming off the field. And Kevin O'Connell's right there, and he's just incredulous about the whole thing. Uh, I think that that play, just for its improbability, generated the best reactions to it, um, which I can't get enough of. So that's what I would go with. And – I still feel like we're not done. Like, I still feel like stuff's going to leak out in the next few days of people reacting and digesting that game, which got so much national attention. Um, that was yeah, the number the fact one story that on every... Mm-hmm. The, the, I was just going to say, the fact that what Arif alluded to, the fact that Paramount Films was there, out of all the games to be there that Sunday, they were at that one, as you mentioned. Like, I'm sure we'll continue to get even more content. Um, speaking of that goal line stand or the fumble there, uh, at the end, is it true Harrison Phillips knew what was coming and slid right over to the center, right in that A-gap, and maybe influenced that exchange bobble there a little bit more than uh, at first glance that we knew? Did anybody else hear that? Yes, I, I did He I did definitely hear about that. shifted. Um, yeah. Right I at the last second. I would be surprised if that affected the snap count. Yeah. Crab I would be surprised if that affected the – Yeah. Don't worry about it. Whoa. Um, avalanche. <laughs> i'd be surprised if that affected the snap like that would not be a very good excuse if that affected Mm -hmm. the snap yeah that kind of thing but he did talk about like how he knew it was coming and was anticipating it and all that but 
Um, I, I don't know how much of an impact it actually had, especially because I think the snap itself was fine. I think it was primarily a Josh Allen mistake. Yeah. So. Drop that ball, Josh Allen. <laughs> ball came loose. Um, all right. Coming off Buffalo game, I still do want to hear if there are any remaining red flags with this 8-1 and one Vikings team. Um, but first, I'm going to tell you about BetOnline, BetOnline.net, your number one source for sports wagering information. Let's peek at the Vikings uh, Cowboys line, Cowboys minus one, and you can even get the look ahead at the Vikings Patriots line on Thanksgiving. The Vikings currently favored by a field goal at home, which again, just feels kind of weird to me. But we can talk more about that in a bit. BetOnline.net has on the NFL lines and the NCAA football lines. They've also got UFC, boxing, golf, and, of course, NBA and NCAA basketball. Check it out. It is your ticket to all the up-to-date sports information and analysis. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Um, I don't want to bring people down, but I do want to hear just sort of your realistic take on where this team is at. The magic is creating this aura where the Vikings feel untouchable right now. Are there still red flags, Arif, with the Minnesota Vikings, despite the 8-1 and record? All right, well, I guess that's the right person, right? You know, who else to talk about all the data surrounding the Minnesota Vikings who are 8-1 and one and just beat one of the best teams in the NFL? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think there are pretty obviously some red flags, right? Like, so your nerdy side of the day, I don't want to step all over it, right? But it involves a high number of contested catches and a high number of completed contested catches. I'll let you get into the details because that's the nerdy part. But you take a look at the all 22. Those did not, uh, many of those did not need to be contested catches. Kirk threw them into contested catches when there was already space. That didn't need to happen. Again, I don't want to be the one, at least this week, to uh, throw cold water on the Minnesota Vikings, but... There are warning signs there. The, the Cousins did not actually play all that well when you account for things like accuracy and pressure and getting the ball where it needs to be and generating yards after the catch. The Vikings, of course, again, had to dig themselves out of a, a, a double, a, a two-score uh, deficit, right? Why does that happen? Because they got into a two-score deficit anyway. Why did they get into a two-score deficit? Well, they had a little bit of issue, you know, generating offense for most of the game until they got to the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, when they were able to turn it on again. You cannot do this consistently against good teams and win. Yeah, you did it against the Bills. Uh, for some reason, Josh Allen over the past several weeks has had a number of problems with back-breaking mistakes. He's had a couple every single game for the past couple of weeks. We should also note that Josh Allen is playing without an elbow right? It's not the same bills that the Vikings just beat. Again, you're asking me to be pessimistic. So this is what I'm going with. But you know, the Vikings are like 15th in DVOA. They're an average team. When you take a look at how they perform over the course of a full game, you cannot rely on a backbreaking mistake because that's what it was, right? It was a backbreaking mistake from Josh Allen late in the game to be able to create you know, these opportunities, right? A lot of the wins that the Vikings have are special teams turnovers, three of them. Right. Uh, those are not, you know, something you can produce from gambling. They're not going to play Amir Smith Marset in the playoffs. I promise you. Right. So like they're, they're not going to be able to generate all of these crazy turnovers. They're not going to be able to create, you know, like, well, unless the Chicago bears find a way to trade them. Right. But they're not going to be able to, Didn't you know, find a way them? to create all of these. Did they? <laughs> yeah. They, they could might. wave them. Right. They could. You know, the Patriots sure, could yeah. I think he's on a practice squad somewhere right now. Breaking news. Sure. Amir Smith Marset traded to the, Eagles. Oh my gosh. Eagles? Wow. Crazy. No. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, and and some teams have bad games. We just saw that with the Eagles and the Commanders, right? That'll happen. But um, the the Vikings do not consistently produce points. They do not consistently stop teams from producing points. Um, once you once you get out of that first drive, the Vikings are a very difficult team to watch offensively for like the next two and a half quarters, right? Uh, it is it is a difficult team to to think it has the consistency to be you know genuinely impactful and does not have the strength of history that someone like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen have at being able to just finally turn on the gas and just say, hey, this is who we really are. Because if 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 the Vikings could do that. They would do it earlier, right? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of problems. The pass protection up the middle is a huge problem. The run defense is still a little bit of an issue. Um, and and they don't play as consistently as they need to. But, you know, you're asking me to be pessimistic. I mean, the, the team is 8-1. They're fun to watch. They're way better than I think uh, any of us expect. Even after you account for all of these red flags, they're way better than anyone expected. Any one of us expected at the beginning of the season, right? They're going to make the playoffs. They've got a shot at the top seed. That's a ton of fun. Right. And and I, and I want people to be able to celebrate that. I'm just saying that if if our business is to project how good this team is going forward, we need to be aware of the fact that they do not produce offense consistently. They do not produce defense consistently. And the stuff that they are good at is not going to continue to read. They can't, they, the Bills were going to win the game with 49 seconds left. How many times did a fumble happen in the end zone? Right. That's not sustainable. You can't Never. tell me it is. It doesn't happen. Um, yeah. I, I think all your points are valid. I I reject a little bit that Josh Allen wasn't the same Josh Allen. I thought Josh Allen was Wait, you watched the phenomenal. second half, right? He effortlessly yeah, moved the ball down the field to get in field goal range. He got them down inside the 10 before he threw a pick. He moved the ball in overtime. Like The Bills moved the ball. Um, and Josh Allen made some unbelievable plays to move the ball. He made mental mistakes, but I don't think he was physically restricted in that game. I don't think that's something that would diminish the Vikings win. You, you don't think that just over on the, the two, like the third quarter that he was just like missing some throws. Cause I thought he was not too many. I was just going to say on the, the two interceptions, those were vintage Josh Allen interceptions. Those were classic yeah. Josh Allen. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Here, here's my red flag. Um, the defense has lived in this, odd dichotomy where the yardage and the production allowed is very high but the points are low so I said okay let's see how teams historically at least in recent history have fared when they are 29th or worst in yards allowed so I went back five years and looked at the bottom four teams in yards allowed and for the most part you are looking at the bottom of the barrel in the NFL. You're looking at the Detroit Lions, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans, the Cincinnati Bengals pre-Burrow, like three-win teams. Those are teams that live in that space. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. 2018 Chiefs were 31st in yards allowed, but you've also got Mahomes. You've got literally a top offense that just beat people in shootouts, 48 to 38. You know, the, that was the year where they got in the 54-51 game with the Rams. Um, but what burned them in the playoffs? The defense. They couldn't stop the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. The other exception are the Patriots in 2017. They were 29th in yards allowed and 5th in points allowed. So very, very different there. But they had the number one offense. When you have the number one offense, you can have a bad defense, and, and that's oftentimes going to get you pretty far. But, again, what burned the Patriots in those playoffs? The defense. They couldn't stop Nick Foles. So, at some point, if you are flirting with a bad defense that's overperforming expectation, 
it might catch up to you at a very inopportune time. That, that's solid. I guess all that, you know, I would kind of jump on the back of a reef here, say, you know, the the offensive inconsistency. You just want to see less dry spells during the game, right? Like no matter how many come from behind wins they get and how improved their situational football has been, it's not going to feel sustainable, I guess, to keep expecting the offense to get hot right at the end over and over again. Turnover luck, Arif already mentioned it. Uh, it it's not sustainable to assume the opposing quarterback is going to throw two red zone interceptions. So not needing those plays to be in the position to win at the end. And the other thing about the offense, too, is just imagine the situations they'd be in. Had they not gone down and scored on the opening drive in, what, seven or eight of their nine games? Like, props to KOC drawing up these beautiful opening drive scripts. But once they get past those 12, 15 scripted plays, moving the ball just becomes so much harder for them. And if they start to catch a, catch a couple games in a row here where they don't cash in on the first drive like they have been, they could really put themselves behind the eight ball in kind of unmanageable situations. The other thing real quick, too, is that red zone defense. And again, granted, Josh Allen made them look a little bit better than they probably were with those two red zone picks. But 31st in the league still in red zone TDs allowed. 72% of the time this offense, uh, uh, opposing offenses are scoring TDs in the red zone. It's just not like your, your Mike Zimmer, Ben, but don't break defense anymore. It's just not. So granted, they have improved in a lot of areas. They're playing better as of late. But again, you just can't count on Josh Allen throwing two red zone picks every game. Not going to happen. So that worries me too a little bit moving forward. Anything else, Bron? Yeah, that's that. That's what I, I was going to say. The red zone, like you, it, that's a dangerous way to live. <laughs> like Ben, don't break. Mm -hmm. Just kind of means you made a bunch of bad plays, but you made a good play at the end <laughs> that canceled it out. Yeah. Um. So I I don't also, I think that's also, something to worry about. Uh, ben, don't break. If it, it feels like teams are not intentionally bending until they get to the red zone, right? They just play a no. different style of defense. Like you're not intentionally yeah. giving up play so you can get to the red zone and then just, you know, they, ah, now we got them. What do they want? Right, right. You, you're just trying to <laughs> yeah, emphasize right not giving get, up yeah. the big play, right? You're making them yeah. earn yeah, every exactly. single play. Yeah. Yeah. And then once things compress, that becomes, now mm -hmm. you don't have to spend resources on, you know, deep safeties and stuff and you can get more yeah. aggressive. And that, like that might be what actually causes that. But I, I think it's also, we have a lot of history of Kirk Cousins being inconsistent um having a streak of great games and then having a streak of bad games we have a lot of history of volatility from Kirk Cousins when he's not in full-on conservative turtle mode which he is not and that is good full-on conservative turtle mode loses games you know 16 to 20 um but there I, I think the conversation with Cousins right now I really like what Cousins has done in this last month I know that there's I mean the interceptions were bad and that like it's not all great um, but like, I'll take this. And I even just wrote an article that like, this is the kind of, he made the kind of plays in this bills game that are the kind of plays you need to make to win playoff games. And that's really encouraging. And, but we have a lot of evidence of like, okay, now can he keep it up? And that to me is, there's just a lot of context and priors that are sort of telling us like, Hey, wait a minute. We know these guys, <laughs> these are the Vikings. Comment on YouTube, are there red flags for this Minnesota Vikings team for you, or is it all positivity? Is it all gravy the rest of the way from Minnesota? Uh, like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, and you can find video of Kirk Cousins there. I posted it yesterday talking about his neighbors shoveling his driveway. How nice, and he tips them with uh, Vikings tickets, so that's fun. Um, let's tell you what, let's do this. Nerdy stat of the day. 
and then into Ron Johnson, who joins us momentarily. So cue up Nerdy Stat of the Day. We'll run through it and then get to Ron. Hit it. Analytics fans rejoice. It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the Nerdy Stat of the Day. Such a good graphic. Have you not seen that yet? No, I have. It just gets every time. Yeah, it's getting better every time I watch it. It's getting funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that movie you watched the first time, and you're like, that was all right. And then the second time you watch it, it was like, oh, I missed that. And And then the third and fourth time you watch it, like, this movie's awesome. They they packed a lot into those the seven-second little clip there. Let's go with Braun first, nerdy stat. So I tweeted it out late last night, but I thought it was really cool. Somebody on Reddit put together a graph of the Vikings point differential by minute, um, like oh, by wow. minute of the game. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the one point in that that stands out, with 10 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter, the Vikings point differential is minus 27. <laughs> Over nine games I'm, in the I'm saying, one, bad. right? Okay. Not bad. Is psycho. That's bonkers. <laughs> That's how it's done. So I guess the question then becomes, which part of that is unsustainable? The comebacks or the getting behind, right? Uh, And hopefully if the Vikings are able to accomplish their goals, they can make it so the first part, the part that gets them behind in the fourth quarter is the part that does not sustain itself. Third quarters have been their kryptonite. Yeah, third quarters have Um, been unreal because they have a positive point differential by halftime. Hmm. And I think they're minus 23 in third quarters. Um, Here's my contested catch nerdy stat of the day. Justin Jefferson had nine contested catch opportunities against the Bills. He made seven of them. In the seven years that Pro Football Focus has tracked the contested catch stat, that is the most of any receiver in one week ever. Antonio Brown and Mike Williams had sixes. They were the previous co-leaders. For the most part, the leader is three or four every week. And Justin Jefferson had seven. That's insanity. That's definitely props to for sure. Props to Kirk Cousins for, for <laughs> actually pulling the trigger and throwing some of those for once. You don't get there without Kirk Cousins. Right. Kirk go, I'm, I'm, Kirk go my, my contention is that point. a lot of those did not need to be contested. He threw them into contest. Hey, Kirk said he was upset at himself for the fourth and 18 throw. He, yeah. He is on your you side to put that over shorter, yeah. That that is legitimate. That was not a great throw. I mean, we, it, in the same way that the Minneapolis high. miracle was not a good throw, right? Like the reason mm-hmm. it's fantastic is because it's not a good throw, right? So, I, like I, you know, that's sometimes right. that's how these highlights happen. Uh, my nerdy Without stat of the day overthrow. is the... Go ahead. Which overthrow? Go ahead. Yeah, my nerdy stat of the day is uh, the least nerdy that I think my nerdy stat of the day has ever been. Um. It is that uh, the Bills have not ever lost a game at home when trailing when ahead by 14 points at halftime. Uh, the or I shouldn't say not ever um, in the last 40 years. The last time they did it was in 1968. Um, so the Vikings mm-hmm. were the first team to beat the Bills. I, and remember, the Bills have been like bad, right? Um, so mm-hmm. so there. So either they've just not been able to get to 14 point leads during moments during the 2000s. Um, or it just once they get one, they they tend to hold on to it. So the first time the Bills have given up a fourteen point lead for a loss at home since nineteen sixty eight. Nineteen sixty eight, Sam, you were just a boy. Great year. <laughs> you watched that game? Man had yet to That's land crazy, on the moon. Dude. That's 
That's, <laughs> we landed Still on the moon. Reeling from and, JFK. And the, the name of that stadium, by the way, was War Memorial Stadium. Checks out. Isn't that the name yeah. of like the Auburn Target Stadium market. now? You know? <laughs> yeah, well, Luke. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I always look at the win rates, but honestly, this week, not a ton to report. Be the Vikings, Daniil Hunter, top 10 in, in uh, run-stop win rate amongst all edge rushers. Garrett Bradbury, top 10 in run-block win rate. But when you flip over to the Cowboys, you got Micah Parsons, beast. Number one edge in pass rush win rate. His counterpart, Demarcus Lawrence, number one edge defender in run-stop win rate. So you've got the best pass rusher, and the best run defender, according to win rates on each side of the line. Zach Martin, he's still good. Top five guard and pass block win rate. And then you got the rookie, Tyler Smith from Tulsa. He's the seventh best tackle in run block win rate. So a lot of individuals on the list. But then when you look at the team rates collectively, Cowboys pass rush win rate as a team, tied for second best in the NFL with the Broncos. Anyone want to take a guess who's number one? Right, so, so we got Cowboys, Broncos. Is that who you mentioned so far? Yep, there's one team ahead of those in pass Jets. rush win rate as a team. Jess? Jets. Nope. Eh. Incorrect. Commanders. Commanders. Eh. Vikings. Not, it's not the Vikings. <laughs> like, oh, dude, you got it. The Los Angeles Rams. 54% collective team win oh. rate. Oh, that, that is entirely Aaron Donald because the rest of that group cannot For do sure. anything. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah. So, Cowboys, elite pass rushing unit. Where they're susceptible, though, right now is the run defense, 30th in the league, and run stop win rate at just 28%. So, I think getting the ground game going Sunday, keeping ahead of the chains, third in manageables, I think that's going to be a big key this week because if they can pin their ears back and just start getting after Kirk, it's probably going to be a long day. They've shown they're vulnerable on the ground versus the run. Also, as bad as their run defense has been, their pass block win rate ranks dead last in the league. So you hope if the Vikings can maybe get out to an early lead, let Zadarius and Hunter get in the backfield, bring down Dak Prescott, where they've been in the bottom of the league in pass protection all year. Other nerdy stat, the Vikings are 1-0 and against Dak Prescott in the last three years, and 0-2 and not against Dak Prescott. So there you go. Um, I think, Matt, you have the, the graph that Braun was referring to. Do we have that? Oh, I like that. That's cool. Reddit is a genius place. Yeah. Sometimes. So this is just a Reef's Reddit account? Is that what you're saying? No, this is mine. Okay. It cuts Riff off for, uh, the... Yeah, it cuts off before the end where it like skyrockets up, and by no, the end of perfect, games, I think actually. the Vikings have this is awesome. no. Let's keep yeah, it here. This is great. <laughs> it's hilarious. This fight. <laughs> it's it's like the opposite of last really year, cool, where though. if every game, yeah, this is a really cool uh, little thing. And I also like the guy on Reddit that's tracking Justin Jefferson's uh, journey to two thousand receiving yards. He's posts a new one every week about like what he needs to be to stay on pace. <laughs> um, for those insane. who are listening and not watching, wow. there's a purple dot that says minus seven. There's a purple dot that says minus four. No, I won't narrate it. Um, <laughs> check it out on YouTube, Bill. Locked on Sports Minnesota. Uh, we still wait, Ron Johnson. Why don't we get into our Cowboys talkers, though? Because I've got some Cowboys questions that I want to run by the group. Beginning with my usual question, who are you scared of? Who, what player are you looking out for on Dallas and I would love it if we got some non-Micah Parsons answers, but if you want to tell me about Micah Parsons too, that's fine. Let's start with Luke Inman. 
Yeah, I'm not necessarily scared of this guy. It was just a guy that I was kind of unaware of how well he's been playing so far. I remember studying this draft class, edge group being really deep, full of athletes. Once he got into like the second and third tiers, right? Like past the Aiden Hutchinson's, Trevon Walker's, Kayvon Thibodeau, there was this solid group of guys you could kind of target and get some maybe better value on day two. Drake Jackson, USC, was a great athlete. Nick Benito had PFF's highest pass rushing grade coming out. Boya Mafe, tons of them. So Dallas took a stab on a guy from Ole Miss, Sam Williams, 44640, 80-inch wingspan, all the athletic traits. And it's hard to get a full-time gig when you're behind who you mentioned, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Even Dante Fowler kind of find a little niche there under Dan Quinn. But when Sam Williams has played, he's been solid. He's still never played more than 25 snaps in the game. In fact, he averages about 15. But already has three sacks, five tackles for loss. And it's a small sample size here. So you got to take that into account. But he's PFF's highest graded pass rusher since week four. He's in the 80th percentile or higher in multiple pass rushing categories. And he's not just a one-trick pony either. Run stop percentage, 95th percentile. Probably only see him, I don't know, 15 plays or more on Sunday. But I think it just goes to show between Micah, Lawrence, Fowler, and now Sam Williams, this Cowboys edge group, pretty relentless. And it's why they're the number one pass rushing defense in the NFL right now. Yeah, let's let's bring Ron into the conversation. And I was going to go with Sam Williams as well, Luke. That was my guy, second-round rookie, who, by the way, Demarcus Lawrence, DNP at practice on Wednesday. That oh. could open up a spot for Sam Williams to get the most work that he's ever had. I don't know if he's played more than 20 snaps at all. But let's bring Ron in, Ron Johnson, at 3RonJohnson on Twitter of the Ron Johnson Show. I'm with him Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and the roundtable on Fridays. Uh, Ron, welcome in. We're just talking about interesting Cowboys that, that are going to provide a challenge for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, any that come to mind for you right off the bat? Uh, interesting, I guess I'd say. I mean, I'm going to go with a guy that's kind of having a resurgence right now, and that's C.D. Lamb. Uh, when you think about what he brings to the table, Cooper Rush, I think, was kind of a spread it around to everybody guy. Dak seems to like going to C.D. Lamb. Uh, the, the Packers game showed it. Uh, he, he was, you know, a lot of crossing routes, uh, not really quick hitting routes. So, uh, and when I say problems, I just mean that they're going to have to stay in coverage a little bit longer if they're not getting the pass rush that's needed to force Dak into a quicker throw. And so if you're getting C.D. Lamb on a deep over, if you're getting C.D. Lamb uh, with time to be able to run the post corner and some of the post corner post stuff they do, uh, he, can, he, he can present a problem because um, it, it, this is not one of those, like, Chiefs offenses, well, it's really quick. Pat Mahomes gets the ball out of his hands in, you know, two-point whatever seconds. Dak likes to hold a little bit, run around, does get him in trouble, got him in trouble against the Packers late in the game, uh, taking some un unnecessary sacks. But, yeah, I, I, I'm a little worried about CeeDee Lamb being able to run free when you're down Cameron Dance so you have a banged-up a Caleb Evans. Uh, it, can, it can get weird out there. All right, one more question about this Cowboys offense, then we'll go around the horn. Ron, it looks like Zeke could be held out again this week due to injury, but Tony Pollard has been balling for them. Do you think Pollard is actually a more troublesome running back for the Vikings defense than Zeke at this point? Uh, Tony Pollard's given them trouble in the past. Uh, I think Zeke's injury has changed the way he's run. Now, let's, let's be clear, Zeke Elliott is probably one of the best running backs in the NFL when he's healthy. Uh, and so I think that's going to be the key is how healthy is he really? We know players are taught to be uh, gladiators and play through injury and all that stuff. But sometimes it's not of value 
uh, to certain players, depending if it's changing the way they have to play the game. Whereas like, say it's a hip pointer or say it's a knee. So he can't plan off that leg. So if he's going left, he's fine. But if he's going right, he doesn't have that ability to stick that foot in the ground and go. Uh, whereas Tony Pollard's healthy. So I, I think, you know, I, I, I've gotten a lot of uh, intel from B.J. Fleck when it comes to that, the staff, the trainers, the players, how they handle it. And it's a little bit of the player, but at the end of the day, it's it's with the trainers and what they think and then what the coach, you know, feels after the trainers kind of give what they think is going to happen. But Tony Pollard, I mean, he's given the Vikings fits in the past. He's a tough guy to uh, bring down when he gets going. And he runs a little bit harder, at least right now he has been. So, yeah, he's definitely a, a dangerous explosive back and and you talk about like Roy Williams former cowboy who was on around John's show earlier this week and you know as a, as a cowboy fan they love what Tony Pollard brings to the table right now so I think everybody's okay with him playing this game uh, Ron help me understand why the Cowboys are favored on the road at the bank after the Vikings just got a marquee win in Buffalo we all remember the miracle game and when they came out flat in Philly the following week you've played in the league is there any like truth or substance to the fact that there is times after the roller coaster emotional win teams can come out flat the following week because unless I'm missing something Vegas seems to think that could be the case this week. Well, Vegas is, this is the thing, Vegas is not smarter than anybody. What they're doing is they're looking at the pulse of the of Twitter and, and the world, uh, the, the analysts, the, the sharps out there. And, and what they're all getting from this is if they put a certain number up there, they know they can get people to buy in because people don't trust the Vikings. You know, everybody's saying that, oh, they're a really good team. They have this, but I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I don't, I mean, you got people like Luke Braun who's feeding the fire. You know, Kirk Cousins doesn't throw the ball to Justin Jefferson enough. Uh, when he throws the ball here, he needs to rifle it in. So, uh, <laughs> this is my favorite beef. So, when, 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 that, no beef. when that happens, when that happens, wait till you uh, see the you know, article I published. Everybody's mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you look at mm -hmm. uh, Emmanuel Atro, like Emmanuel Atro, uh, Ben Lieber tweeted like, hey, Emmanuel, I don't know what you're looking at, but uh, I love you, brother. Something Eagles-Bills game. He's like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't see enough from Kirk in the Eagles or the Bills game. Well, then you didn't watch the Bills game. So you can say whatever you want about, I don't trust this because of this, but have some like realistic numbers. And so that's what, that's what people are doing. Everybody's listening to all these chirp, 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 you know, Joy Taylor, like, oh, Kirk Cousins with his little legs. Dude, is 6'4". Like, how much bigger does his legs got to be? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> how do you have little legs and you're 6'4"? Like, Kirk Cousins with little legs. Like, and then they all laugh. Like, I'd have been on that set and I'd have been like, he's 6'4". Like, what do you mean little legs? Like, I'm 6'3", and my legs are, like, I need an extra large tall pant or my ankles is out. So, like, <laughs> I don't really understand half the hate for Kirk Cousins. Uh, but it's just one of those things, man. Like, that that's what, that's what this world has become where – Everybody's going back to the past, Kirk Cousins. Everybody's going back to the old stuff. And like I said, the national narrative, if Kirk Cousins had fumbled the ball on the goal line and lost the game, if Kirk Cousins had thrown an interception to uh, anybody from the Bills to end that game, he's going to get chastised the entire week. And Kirk Cousins folded. He's not going to – but, no, he throws a great 50-50 ball to Jefferson. He throws a great ball in overtime to the two-yard line to Jefferson. He throws a, a, an absolute laser to uh, Adam Thielen. He puts up a lot of uh, nice in the middle of the field balls to TJ Hawkinson. He runs for 12 yards when everybody's like, ah, oh, Kirk Cousins never runs. But, oh, he didn't do enough. What else should he have done? Like, the only other thing he could have done was, like, have communion on the field with both teams and pray or something. Like, I don't know what else he could have did. Like, there's nothing else he could have did. He won the game. 
hello, you play to win the game. And he did that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't hello. Know. I have no idea. Hello. I have no idea why people don't trust Kirk Cousins. But, hey, you can keep not trusting him. I like that narrative. Go go that the rest of the season. You cannot trust them all the way to Disney World because for all I care, that's all that matters. <laughs> hey, just real quick. On the Vikings. Uh, I, I just saw this tweet here per ESPN Stats Info. It would be the first time since 1976 that a team 8-1 and one or better that started its regular quarterback was a home underdog. So just kind of interesting there, yeah. But wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it again. It's 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 the sharps. They're they're out yep. there and they're trying to find yep. a way. Because if you give the Vikings six or seven points, it makes it an easy bet for a lot of people. This right. one point five and it opened up at two and a half. It makes mm -hmm. it a questionable bet for the people that like were all up on the Vikings. They're like, well, wait a minute, what do we not know? Like, oh, right. maybe I should bet on the Cowboys then. Maybe I should. And that's all they want. They want to. Ha they want money to come in and question mm -hmm. people. For the people that are Dallas fans, they're gonna hammer this. Oh, we, you know. We're, we're the favorites. We're the favorites. Or Vikings fans are like, hey, we're underdog in this. Oh, I'm taking the points. Let me like we're going to win. So they're going to cover. Mm -hmm. You're 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 putting you making them underdogs. You're giving them one and a half point with two and a half start to the week. Oh, I'm betting it because even if they lose, they probably lose by one. And that's what they're thinking. Like if they lose, they lose by three. And this is where Vegas usually finds a way. So I feel like it's going to be a three point game now because or a one point game because it mm -hmm. always happens that way. It comes down mm -hmm. to like one to three points whenever Vegas does that. Uh, but maybe this might be the signature afternoon. I don't know if we can call it prime time because people don't want to give credit, Kirk Cousins credit because the sun's still up. But maybe they win by 14 points. If they win by 14 points, I mean, really, they act like Kirk Cousins is a vampire or something. Like he can't, he can't do much until it gets dark. Or sorry, when he gets dark, he gets scared of the vampires. So I have no idea. Like I have no idea. What, you know, he's the reverse vampire. Like when the sun's up is when he's best. When the sun's down, it's like no. I need the sun back. Like he's a he's a reverse vampire to people, I guess. I don't it's know. dark early now. That's funny. Luke Braun, what do you got? I'm just I'm so hurt to be mentioned in the same breath as Emmanuel Acho. <laughs> that's pretty fair, honestly. I get that, and that's why this is a great beef. <laughs> Ron, I want to I wanna point you to the article that uh, came out this Thursday. It is titled, Kirk Cousins is Playing at a Playoff Level. It's an article that I wrote. I agree with you. He did a lot in that Bills game. I love that Bills game. There were like eight career-defining throws in that game. It was insane. Uh, but my question for you is actually about, uh, inspired by the catch, you know, the one that everybody's talking about. What's, what's the, the coolest catch you ever made in your career? Go high school, college, pros, whatever. What's the one you think about that's just is the dopest? Uh, I mean, like one of these shows, I have to bring the pitchers in the garage, so we're moving, so I have to get it back out eventually. But it's the Penn State game is one of them. Uh, you know, it was two defenders, and, you know, it was a Hail Mary type throw and just went up and caught it. And then I think Ohio State was another one where I, you know, I got hit, but then I'm tipping the ball at the same time and and uh, was able to still catch it, run, stiff arm a guy, and uh, get a big first down. So, I'd say that, but yeah, though that that one against Penn State, just because of the degree of like two guys on me falling backwards, still jumped up, got it at the highest point. Uh, which honestly, looking at the video now, it probably wouldn't have been a catch in today's football because I caught it and then I hit the ground, and then I like threw my arms up to celebrate, and the ball came up too, so it didn't like a lot of people question if I, I mean, had Calvin caught Johnson. it. 
Yeah, but but basically the refs were like, no, because I caught it and I pulled it like this, and then I fell and hit the ground, and then I threw my arms up like touchdown, but the ball flew up too, and so people were assuming like, oh wait, did he did he catch that? But in today's football, they might have probably said I didn't like I didn't complete the catch through the ground, but yeah, I got lucky that there was no uh, replay on ABC back then. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I don't know if you, if you got a new haircut or something, but I'm kind of noticing, especially with this white shirt, you look just a tiny bit like Dak Prescott. So my question is going to be <laughs> about Dak Prescott. Um, so Prescott has had a reputation for being a statistically, um, quite excellent quarterback that can't seem to win in the playoffs, can't seem to pull a team together that might be a little bit reliant on things like play action, a good running back, a great receiving core. That sounds to me a lot like the criticism surrounding Kirk Cousins. Um, so we just went off this whole tangent about how much we should actually trust Kirk Cousins. Should we trust mm -hmm. Dak Prescott? Does he scare you? Uh, Dak with his legs it is the thing. When Dak is in a zone, um, you know, I think that's the key. When he's in the matrix and he's like hitting on all cylinders and he's moving out the pocket perfectly, he's doing the hip twist, you know, to, to perfection, all that mm -hmm. stuff, like he's on. But when he's toward like that Packers game towards the end, like I said, there were a few plays where you're like, what are you doing? And so that's, I think, you know, what is he? He's played four games this year. So I think that's part of it. Like the, the fact that a lot of these guys are, are getting into their groove because uh, they're now, you know, played nine games and he's like, he's early. Like he's, he's preseason kind of Dak right now. And so um, it, it's probably a good time to catch Dak because he hasn't really gotten into that groove of like, you know, killing it and being one of the top, you know, whatever you want to put him top 12, top 10. I don't know. According to Shannon Sharp, he's ahead of Kirk Cousins, not in my book, but um, you know, I think that's going to be the key to Dak is if he gets running and gets comfortable. So if they can sack him, if they can keep him in the pocket, if they can make him uncomfortable. Uh, then no, I'm not worried about him. But if he, if he gets comfortable and he's running well and, you know, the, the, the indoors, you know, it feels for him, it's going to feel like home. He's indoors and all that stuff. You just never know. I mean, because you, you can never take away from the the Lambo uh, crowd and the atmosphere and all that. That can get to a player late in the game. So uh, he will be indoors, but he will have this crowd noise. And yes, I, I did get a, I did cut the hair down some, uh, you know, and, and I did it because I had a photo shoot, like a, a six hour photo shoot yesterday uh, for uh, <laughs> children's for the children's hospital, uh, which you might have saw it in the news. Their uh, health and uh, mental health youth ward. Uh, and center is coming is like I think they're unveiling it in like a week. So I did the photo shoot for that. Uh, they had me like with a fake son and a fake wife, and uh, but they're that's going to be a part of their like ad and all the stuff. So yeah, so I, I cut the hair down a little bit. Always once a year, I always cut it real low, either before I go on vacation or just to you know cut I mean, it, so it looks, a little bit more it looks manageable. Good. And then uh, yeah, but I'll get it. I got a fashion show tomorrow, so I'll have it lined up again. And my my stylist, you know, she'll she'll take care of the rest. But yeah. Dang, versatile. <laughs> Love it. Versatile Love it. Ron Johnson. Uh, hey, Ron, the guests you on your show this week. That's right, you do. Um, <laughs> you had epic guests on the show this week. Charles Johnson, former Vikings receiver. Uh, Cowboys pro bowler Roy Williams. And NFL Hall of Famer Randall McDaniel. So people can go back, watch those interviews on the Ron Johnson show. And, of course, tune into our Friday roundtable, which airs tomorrow follow him on twitter at three ron johnson thanks a lot ron appreciate you all right we got to draft the best games in vikings history and make our week 11 picks but first built bar um has some outstanding new flavors 
reimagined flavors that I have to tell you about. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, and then some for the holiday season. Candy cane brownie puff and white chocolate peppermint granola. Stock up on that as Christmas approaches. Nice little stocking stuffer built bars that are, of course, made with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and a shockingly low sugar and calorie count, just 130 calories. Sink your teeth into the first bite. Change your life forever. Built, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. All right, Arif Hassan unfortunately had to bounce, so he's going to miss out on our draft picking the greatest games in Vikings history Got the Google Sheet. We can show it on the screen here. I've listed about 15 options that you do not have to choose from, but you may end up choosing from. think we should probably go Snake Draft. Uh, why don't we go with the leaders in the money count for the NFL picks? So that would be um, Braun first, then Inman, and then myself. If we go that Am way. Am I in first? And then we'll s- well, Arif is in first, but Arif is not here. Oh. So you are first up. Um, we're picking the best games, regular season only, in Minnesota Vikings history. Uh, let's go four games for each team. And, Luke, you can start us off. I was going to say Ravens. 2013 Ravens, but they didn't win, so maybe that isn't the best pick. You still might I get some, take, yeah, I don't know. I will go with the old classic, Miracle at the Met. 1980, Hail Mary, Ahmad Rashad. The ending of that game is incredibly cool. E- even before the Hail Mary, the way they got into Hook position. They, yeah, to Ted Brown. Yeah, it was. And they, remember, they didn't have two point conversions then. So the Vikings scored just before right. that. Like they, they had to score to get within a possession, but they couldn't go for two to tie the game which uh, left them still behind, I think, by one or and two points before the Hail the Mary. The reason they were behind by one is because of a blocked extra point because of a blown mm. block by Matt Blair, of all people. They had Ooh. Matt Blair blocking for kickoff, for, for field That's goal. That's a for great fun fact right there. That's elite. Historian. Nice. Luke Braun. <clears throat> Luke Inman, And then Tommy Craig yelled um, at the kickoff. All right. I feel like the Lions sitting there, Aiden Hutchinson just fell on my lap. Got to go with the Bills game, 2022 Bills game last week. Absolutely epic. If, if I didn't take it, you know Sam would have taken it with one of his two picks. So, um, Bills game, lock it up. Maybe, arguably, we'll see, you know, once the dust settles here where this one's going to rank. Right now it feels like it's got to be top two or three, but we'll see once the dust settles here and we look back in months or a year from now where this game ranks. But I still think at the end of the day, five years from now, it should be top three. So I feel like I'm left with a real gift here because now I get the snake and I get to pick any of the Moss era games and any of the Favre era games. You've left that on the table for me. So I am going to go in the spirit of Thanksgiving, 1998 Thanksgiving with a third pick. And with the fourth pick, I'm going to go Greg Lewis catch. And I really love those picks. I'm actually surprised. Yeah, I I really, Uh, really, really hope 98 Thanksgiving came back to me. I couldn't pass up this Bills game, though. Uh, That 98 Thanksgiving game, that's going to get you a lot of votes. uh, That's for sure. So coming back, I'm going to take 
Adrian Peterson breaks the rushing record versus the Chargers. Mm -hmm. That game was phenomenal, top to bottom. Antonio Cromartie, 109-yard kickoff return. Um, AP goes for 296. I'm going to take that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I guess I got to get my hands. Very nice. I got to get my hands on a Moss game. So I'm taking the coming out party. We kind of knew about Randy Moss by week four of 1998 at Lambeau. Uh, But that was the first time he really hit the national stage and he just undressed them. And you got to remember two years before this, the Packers had won the Super Bowl and Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they were in it the year before. So they were a dynasty. They were looking for an NFC three-peat and the Vikings arrived and said, nah, you don't even get the division and we're going to go into your house on national TV and pants you because we have this dude called randy moss mm-hmm. no phenomenal monday pick. night yeah phenomenal pick. raining i feel like I, I yeah unbelievable john madden right was it madden it was michaels michaels and yeah, um, michaels. excuse me yep who was that it was, i don't know who the color oh color was at that time deerdorf i, I think it was dan deerdorf okay deerdorf. Mm-hmm. man i kind of want to just keep buying into Packers games. Uh, maybe I'll just go with another Packers game in Lambeau, Favre's return. How good did that feel? Yeah. Uh, Favre getting getting booed so hard on, on the uh, logo at the coin toss. Ryan Longwell leans over to him, who's been through this as well because he was a former Packer, and he says, don't worry, we'll, we'll show them. They'll... They'll know what we're here, we're here, we're here, we're about. You get Percy Harvin mm-hmm. catching that pass over the middle of the field. Three Packers run into each other, and he skips oh, to, into so the end good. zone. So uh, just Bowling not even pins. a close yeah. game. Just one of those games that if you ask a Packers fan about it, they'll they have to lie to you about how much it hurt them because they can't accept how much it hurt them. Glorious stuff. Yeah, that was outstanding. That was going to be my pick. I'll go the other way, Favre. At the Dome, Antonio Winfield, big interception on Rodgers. I think he was sacked five times. Favre gets the uh, the win versus, obviously, his former team, the Packers. I think that was a Monday night football game. It was a prime time, maybe Sunday night football game. Um, yeah, give me the uh, Favre at the Dome versus the Packers. That was the greatest 24-hour stretch in Minnesota sports history, arguably, from Favre beating the Packers. And then the next day, game 163, which you were at, Luke? Or no? I was at game 163. Yes, I was. That was it. Um, So so I get uh, picks 9 and 10 here on the snake. So this will round out my team. Uh, I am so hesitant to have any game involving Christian Ponder on my list. Nonetheless, (laughs) I do feel like win and in against the Packers in 2012 with what was at stake for Adrian. I don't know if it makes it, if the Adrian subplot isn't part of it, but going over 2,000 yards and then coming eight yards shy of the record in a Christian Ponder's best game ever, the Vikings needing to beat a much better Packers team to get in the playoffs. Back and forth, I think, I think it makes it. I think uh, Week 17, 2012 versus the Packers winning in. That's my ninth pick, and then the final pick to round out my team. So I've got a a Peterson. I've got a Favre. I've got a Moss. Do I go with something modern, or do I go back and try to pull at the the nostalgia heartstrings? 
Um, you know what? I'm going to go a little bit rogue. I'm going to go 2009 against the Ravens. Not enough people talk about this, but this was the original um, time that game. Paul Allen, Paul Allen called this the Minneapolis Miracle. People don't realize that, but that was it was not the first time he used it in 2017. Um, Steven Hauschka missed a field goal as time expired, and PA said, and there's another Minneapolis miracle. Um, and the Vikings won 33-31. Ray Rice brings the Ravens way from way behind. I want to say it was even 27-10, which is a very topical score. Um, and then Favre executed the go-ahead drive, and then the Vikings dodged a bullet at the end. Great game. Don't know if people will remember it, but I'm putting it on my list. If you were to just pull that game up right now, today, this afternoon, and just watch that from start to finish, you would be highly entertained. Um, I'm going to go with the – give me the 2000 Thanksgiving, just to get a Thanksgiving uh, theme up there. That was a great game as well. Still That's got good. the Moss Carter. That's good. Got the Moss Carter era going full, full Moss Carter era um, during that time. 2000 Thanksgiving game. That was a great one. All right, I'm going to go off the board. There are a number of real old ones I can pull from here. Win that senior citizen vote. Uh, I could go all the way to the very, very beginning with uh, Fran Tarkenton throwing four touchdowns in the inaugural Vikings game against the uh, Royal blue-blooded George Hallis Bears, but I'm not going to go for that one. I'm going to go for something maybe a little bit more recognizable. Uh, if you've ever watched a highlight reel of the Purple People Eaters, you've probably seen a game in the muddy, snowy conditions with, uh, I think it was Alan Page flipping a lateral to Jim Marshall. Off the top of my head, I might be wrong on, on who was who. But that was 1969 Thanksgiving against the Lions, the very first Super Bowl appearance season for the Minnesota Vikings. Purple people eaters at their peak. They got like 11 sacks in that game. The Lions were the uh, only team with any threat of being able to win the NFC Central. That game just about sealed it. And you have the one of the most famous lateral plays of a few famous lateral plays the Vikings were involved in. Joe Cap era, one of my favorite Vikings teams of all time, 1969 Thanksgiving. All right. So realistically, you probably you probably need to be 60 at minimum to see that and like immediately know what it's referring to. Or and have recently watched Alan Page's football. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was in there. I'm not or saying the it's America's a bad pick. game missing rings. Got to get the senior I citizen vote. You to... It's important. Now I can yeah. win Florida. Hey. Yeah, you got the old school this is vote Elon's there for Twitter sure. now. My... Yeah, my dad's sitting there <laughs> watching this right now uh, in the Lazy Boy watching on YouTube going, yep, Luke's right. got my vote. Ron's got my vote for that one. Yeah, Richard Ekstrom probably watched last that last pick of the draft, too, right? So. Yep. Far from irrelevant. I don't want to give it that distinction. All right, let's roll through some NFL picks. Make the scrap party fouls this week, and we will get out of here. Uh, these are the updated standings. We all gained ground on a reef because he went 0-2. Braun, you went 2-0, betting the minimum, and you are only 20 bucks behind. Luke and I both went 1-1, and I was the only person who maybe uh, had a negative side to that uh, to the Vikings' comeback because I was loving Bills minus 3.5, but 
because I got it at the point where they didn't know if Allen was going to play. Allen played. Mm-hmm. It looked like it played out exactly as I thought, and then obviously what happened happened. Not going to complain, though. So I'm in last. Inman is ahead of me by $38. Uh, the minimum this week is 110 The max is 1100 And I start. If you remember in the open, I promised that because the fireplace is back, I was going to go with a max bet wow. this week. Let's go. A max bet of $1,100. Um, I want to do a max bet on a game that I know I'm going to watch. And when you cover a team, you can't always watch all the games. So what's the game I know I'm going to watch? Vikings-Cowboys. I'm taking the purple. I'm taking the home team. I'm taking the home underdogs plus one. Yes. And let me just let me just check to see if it's minus I got it up. one. Minus one hundred three. Minus one hundred three. I'm not even paying the juice. Not even paying the juice. So that is a max eleven hundred big ones on the Vikes. Uh, we move on to Luke Inman. Yeah, I've been riding the Titans just behind the scenes a little bit. They've been red hot. I know Rashawn Gary's out. Eric Stokes is out. Devondre Campbell's out. Titans are a little banged up as well. And I usually try to stay away from these Thursday night games. But I'm going to take the Titans plus three here. Uh, It's at plus 105. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm seeing plus 105 on betonline.ag. And I'm going to go with, boy, Sam goes with 11 hundo. Let's see how that pans out next week. I'm going to stick with my usual... I'll bump it up a little bit. I'll go 250 bucks. Okay, this uh, is a Reef's pick now. Oh, well, a Reef um, is next. Luke, you do have 222, and if you go into the negative, then we uh, we punish you in some way. Um, a Reef goes with Eagles minus 6.5 against the Colts. So road favorites. It's always a little dicey, uh, but he's going minimum bet on the Eagles. So, two twenty-two is what I have. Yes. Okay, so I have one more week where I can bet the minimum before I get punished, and if I go zero and two, barely, I'm going barely. Yep, I'm pushing the max chips in. All right. Uh, I will take. I got the the snake then, right? The uh, the betters are hitting. So the the New Orleans Saints are in dire straits. So are the Los Angeles Rams. This is it has been a long time since the 2018 uh, NFC Championship game. Uh, the Rams are three and a half point underdogs. I love the hook point. It seems like I'm following the money a little bit. It's at minus one twenty. So I'll take that with a minimum one ten bet. And then. Uh, Oh, I just had it. I think I am just feeling pretty good in general about, oh, where was it? Oh, yeah, about Bill's overs. The Bills are playing in a game where the over-under is 42. Um, I'm going to take Browns Bills over 42 at minus 110, and I will put the same 110 on it. Wow, with the snowstorm All right, coming. So, wait, hold on, wait, 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 wait. That's locked in. That's locked in? Uh, yeah, it's locked in. You already said it. All right. You, you know there's going to be three feet yeah, of snow, yeah, right? Yeah, let's do it. Six yeah. feet. Okay. They might move the game. All right. 20, 30, All right. 20, 30 All right. mile an hour winds. 
Yeah, watch. Absolutely. Just watch though, Sam. He's going to hit it. Watch. This. You doubting Josh he's Allen? Be, after what we just saw, he's going to be rain? three to two. Did you see the action last night? Central Michigan and Western Michigan. It's going to be worse than that. It was in a, a blizzard, which was like not even as bad as Buffalo is going to be. I I root for it though, just because that's crazy. Um, a remember Tom Brady throwing up putting next. up fifty two in the snow. It happens against the yep, Titans. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, in these snow the games, you actually get more points. Guys can't tackle. People are defenders exactly. are slipping. Sometimes you get more points. It doesn't always go the way you think it's gonna. Arif goes Panthers Ravens over forty one points minus one thirteen for the minimum. Luke Inman, I'm gonna take the uh, sticking on the East Coast weather. Uh, a snowstorm coming on that East Coast. I'm going to take the under 38 at minus 112. Jets, Patriots. Seems like Patriots always, always play the Jets tough. They got Zach Wilson's number. Should be a low-scoring game once again. Um, under 38, minus 112. I'm going to stay consistent, 250 bucks. All right, so it's my turn to round this out. Now, how... How should I how should I manage this max bet that I have? Should I try to do another max bet so that I at least go one and one, or do I just let it ride on the Vikes? Wait, Sam, Falcons turn around, look at the and, fire flames, and ask the fire. What, what, what's the fi- what's the vision? What's <laughs> look deep into you? the flame. What's it say to you? Get in a trance. All right, I saw a vision, <laughs> and it. T- it told me that the, the steel is forged in fire and the Steelers are going to show up <laughs> against the Bengals, put up some points. Bengals are going to find Ooh. their mojo. We're going over 41. Bengals-Steelers minus 110. And uh, because the fire told me, I'll, I'll move that bet up to 300. How's that? Ooh. Love it. With T.J. Watt back. Wow, I love it. Okay. Hey, the fire's never wrong, baby. Listen to the flames. Fire is never wrong. I've emailed out the picks. They are locked in. And uh, those are the Week 11 picks for this week. Fun show. Um, We drafted the best Vikings games ever. Talk Cowboys. Talk to Ron Johnson. And make sure, hey, make sure you listen to Locked On Sports today. For the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes. With local experts and insights, only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, big thanks to Ron Johnson, Arif Hassan, who had to bow out early, Luke and Luke, and I'm Sam Extra. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. YouTube, comment below about how bad our picks were this week. And we will see you on Monday to rehash Vikings, Cowboys. Until then, so long. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.